0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Jankyard, episode 10, I believe, Um, podcast, a podcast about Ashes Reborn, which is an expandable card game from Plat Hat Games. Uh, We're going to talk about all things Ashes, and especially what we like to call open-minded deck building. And who are we? Well, we're still the same three people, and we've got Schmendrix. I may be technically the same,
1: but I feel so different after I got the 10th epiversary roses that the treatment sent me. It really opened up my <laughs> heart and mind. So
2: thank you, treatment.
0: Spruced up the place, tied the whole thing together.
2: Yeah, we made it. This is success. This is what it looks like, what it feels like. Double
0: digit episodes. Yeah, guys. And we have the treatment. He's here. There he is.
2: Hey, everyone. It... Uh... Hopefully it still goes up from here, but you never know when you're at your peak. So
0: you know, yeah, we, we could peak at literally any time, I think. And I'm Killer Cactus. And yeah, we're, we're ten episodes in and going strong. We'll we'll keep talking about ashes probably as long as there's ashes to talk about.
2: Yeah, and I hope that stays around for a long time. Amen.
0: So today we thought we'd talk a bit about the last round of previews I don't think we've went over yet. Couple Pretty cool cards in there. I'm not sure how kind of earth-shatteringly strong they are, but there's cool stuff for sure. Um, and we're finally going to get to Vicky decks. We got our submissions in. We have a few. We're going to open up a new feature with those, I think, today. And then uh, we're going to do a little bit about floor and ceiling talk. And uh, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, all things carpentry.
2: Yeah. Um I, I think the the new cards I mean the artwork is fire uh I think well literally was, on one of them
0: I, I still can't get over Jess's teeth yeah in chant of transfusion there it's like she she has the best dentist in all of our Gaia <laughs> they're're sure. they're white
2: and they are straight but yeah yeah
0: they just like, sh- like it's the first thing that like draws my eyes right to it every time I look at the card you guys ever you guys watch friends? Ross had he got like the teeth whitener stuff. Put on his teeth. Ever saw that? It was he's like it was like so bright. That's what this reminds me of. So let's talk about some new cards. Which one do you guys want to talk about first? Shimanjick, what's your favorite card?
1: Well, you're diving right into the controversy because my favorite is Chant of Transfusion, but um Treatment hates it. So we'll have to sort through that together. We can we can work through that angst um so chant of transfusion side action ceremonial class after an ally you control is destroyed place a status token on the spell if it has no status tokens on it so the classic chant requirement and then main or side action exhaust remove one status token from this spell to move one wound token from a target unit onto another target unit so let me just say why i think this is interesting one um i am a big fan of string mage and which has a much more awkward way of accomplishing the same goal although she can do it repeatedly which is side action no exhaust move either a status or wound token from one unit to another unit so this accomplishes in one mainer side what takes string mage two sides to accomplish um which in and of itself is pretty useful um unless the wound is on her um and then I think two it's removal. So any any on the spellboard removal ability to me deserves a look. I like repeatable removal quite a lot. I mean, I like removal of all kinds. And we're getting a lot of tools in this set um to put allies on the table that if, you know, in the case of Old Salt starts with a wound on that body, in the case of Phoenix attendant side action put a wound on that body to heal your phoenix born so there are going to be wounds floating around often from the get-go um obviously there's the chant limitation of needing a an ally to die um and so there are definitely timing considerations uh but i think in general this this feels like a really interesting card to me i'm excited to play around with it i also like the fact that it doesn't actually have to move an al- a wound from your unit t- onto another target unit. So, for example, um, if you Nature's Wrath the board, get a token on it by killing an exhausted 1-1 ally on your board, you could move a wound from a unit that your opponent controls that you might not kill or might not be the highest priority onto a 2-health unit that was left alive from the Wrath. So... I think there's a lot of interesting play here in this card which I'm excited to explore. I guess the last thing I'll say is it is another side action wound um distributor that pairs really well with Fester, which is another thing I'm excited to use it with which might unlock Fester from its current um long and loving relationship with Nature Ping. Uh it's still probably going to be the most reliable way to do it, but that that intrigues me as well. So I'm pretty interested to build around
2: or b- build chance of transfusion into things. Everything you said about the ability itself, I agree with. I think the ability is really cool. Um, my issue is just everything about chance themselves and specifically the triggers and the costs and all the caveats that you have to do to get there. And I think if this was... Just the ability itself, not the you have to play an ally, it has to die to get a token, whatever. I think that would be an awesome card. And it would still be fair when you think of it in relationship to something like the small sack string mage combo of placing a wound as a main and then distributing it as a side. Um, It's just, it just is always off on for me with the fact that you have to pay for the card itself you have to pay for an ally to get on the board it has to die it has a cap on only ever having one token on it at any one time and then on top of that the ability itself exhausts and it's just a lot of things and it takes a spell board slot so that i mean that is a cost that has to be considered regardless of how you know which phoenix board you choose And to me, that's just so many things for such a small benefit. Now, granted, it would be awesome if you did have like three of these things loaded up and started moving wounds around. But even then, I just don't know if that outweighs the amount of buildup um, that's required for it. Uh, But we'll see. I mean, I'm definitely interested in it and I'm going to give it a, a shot just like I have with you know many chants. I mean, I did play the all chant row and deck in um Jank Fest,
1: they'll take a chance on them, yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> Very good. Uh, but I, I just think it's probably ultimately going to fall flat from a competitive perspective, and it could be so easy for so many chants to remove like one thing, whether that was the token limit or the exhaustion aspect and you you could see these chants being played a lot more. So killer, now you you have to decide which of us wins. Yeah, who's right, killer?
0: I I break the tie, right? So here's here's what I'll say about it. I when I first read it, I was with treatment. I I didn't think it was great. Um I agree that it has a lot of, you know, it has the same chant problems right and it's it's very easy to compare this to a card like string mage that Spendrix already talked about that's repeatable and can do it a bunch of times without exhausting and it yeah you know, string mage isn't the easiest thing to remove either it takes a battlefield slot up not a spellboard slot but you usually have more battlefield available um and it it fe- when you think about it that way it doesn't feel great because string mage can keep doing it but what i think you need to think about with this card is treatment. What you said, the last thing you said is when, you know, when you have two or three of these on the board or, you know, now that we have more chance and this, so, you know, chant of revenge has kind of been the chant. This is probably number two. And it might, there might be a world where it starts making sense to get two different you know chant of transfusion and revenge on the board and now when so i I agree there's a lot of costs right but when one ally gets killed and you get four tokens on chance you know that's when the value happens right the the issue i think though that it's gonna have is that the game is too fast right like it that's why revenge is the only one that works Because revenge advances your win condition directly. And it can keep up with the speed of the game. The the other chants are just too slow. Like by the time you put them on on the spellboard and then get something to die and then use the thing. Like you need the game to go multiple rounds before it really starts to give out the value that it needs to give out for you to spend a spellboard slot on it and to die in the first round. Right? Plus a Ritualist, maybe. So, I I, those are the issues, but it is removal, and that's a thing that you don't, that isn't on the spellboard very often. And it's, you know, once you pay the book tax, free removal. Which is a thing that just never exists, ever. Right? And when you start, like, Old Salt, I think, is going to be a three-oven ceremonial decks anyway, but when you, you know, when you have a token on this thing and you play it, you get paint and you get side side paint something else. That's really strong. Right. Granted. Like, like, granted, you have to have a token on it already. And, you know, that is a thing, right? It's not.
2: Yeah, it's a two life killer for sure. But
0: I mean, Ceremonial has a lot of self kill cards to generate yourself. I mean, it does, you know, if we, it has Chana Sacrifice, too, which like no one ever uses, but I think is an underrated card.
2: I mean you could you can do um, even blood chains right as a main and then this as a side right um
0: which you know again a free one like this is a free nature ping right if you have a wound on something like that's that's strong after
1: the first one
0: yeah yeah after after round one yeah after yeah but after the first one I mean still it's I that's not bad
1: and it's not a first five slot anymore I mean ritualist is but that you know there's your, there's your ally.
0: I, I'm on the fence, right? So I, I'm not gonna break this tie because I, <laughs> I'm I'm on the fence about it. <laughs> um, I I see cool things like old old main action old salt side action trans tran, chant of transfusion activation is really good. Once it's down, um, I also think side action blood archer main action chant of transfusion is also pretty sick mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. like that's you know i think that's the thing that's gonna happen imagine you get two or three chana transfusions out and then you just have a you put down a blood archer and it's it's a machine gun for like three turns it just mows down everything (laughs) right for for three turns
2: i i do like that it's a move action like the that was phrased that way because if it was deal a damage um then it would be I think garbage.
1: Yeah, that's fair.
2: Like, I think the move. I don't
0: know if it'd be garbage,
2: well... but it'd be a
0: lot, it'd be worse for sure. I mean, you'd...
1: That's true. This is a side action, put a wound on a root armored unit and fester it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Watch out, snake.
0: Yeah. And y- your point about fester is something I hadn't thought of, but I, I do like that it's a good in color way to turn fester on that ceremonial didn't really have before
1: it's also a side action kill for your own units that you know mostly it's been who's had easy access to side action self-sack i guess guilt link obviously uh brennan is the most obvious but i'm just saying i think you know i, I am going to be aiming at some point to heal a heal one of my allies you know kill a rising horde or ritualist or something and widows attack for four it's uh, and then i'll be really happy (laughs) with myself
2: i think this will be really cool in um in james yeah he can potentially get to tutor the allies and then you could get you could easily run chant of revenge and chant of transfusion together and and have a real easy setup um in the first round um, I think it's also cool with units that are naturally hard to die. So whether that is, yeah, I like you don't want to root armor necessarily, but um, you know one of my favorite cards, Beast Tamer. Um, oh yeah, or Druid or Crypt. Uh, obviously Crypt Guardian because Crypt Guardian's in that weird position where most of the time it's going to take some damage but you don't want to exhaust it by using its unit guard right away or if you do use the unit guard then you don't want it to be open season hunting on it you want it to to stay alive so it'll be able to take a couple hits and then you can just use the chant to remove those and effectively heal it while also doing removal so i think it'll make some units like that really sticky um old salt is is a great unit to combine this with um, it does have a lot, of, like I said, I love the ability. The ability is, is great. I just hate the chant yeah. aspect of it. And just like every other chant.
0: Quick tangent, what happened to Crypt Guardian? I have not seen a Crypt Guardian played in like a month.
1: Value Town.
2: Value Town, yeah. Salsa Napper.
0: <laughs> yeah, but still, like, Crypt Guardian is still good. I, it's like people just stop playing the darn it's, thing.
2: It's good, and I <laughs> play it. I play it. It's just it's really hard. Like, what do you you have to play something that's worth guarding? Yeah. And in any like, there's no current deck really that, if it's a is a value deck, that is going to have something that's worth saving, and then that can also keep the Crypt Guardian alive. Um, it has to be you have to start playing. You know, three life units. So I use it in one of my decks. Um, oh no, that, list with frostback bear and dweller and that's a deck where i want to either save the dweller um to get the end of round damage or, or at least hit for three and i want to keep the bears alive for top around swings and so it's been working there but otherwise um it's just really hard and i think as far as value town goes steadfast is a much better counter
1: yeah sorry so uh, just to go back to chant of transfusion I'll, Yep. sorry about that uh, go for I'm it i'm gonna offer no worries <laughs> One more one more phoenix born that I've been thinking about is in Xander which might seem weird because of his three spellboard although James also has that problem but uh he already I mean I already really like playing string mage in Xander with small sac so in that situation you're freeing yourself potentially from sympathy so he could play what I think are um actually more natural colors although he gets access to raptor herder and sympathy anyway but in in nature ceremonial divine and he can still do
2: why would you ever drop the best color
1: <laughs> okay uh but he can <laughs> he, he can also do the james thing with uh if he wants to the double ritualist and in, in round one so and earthquakes have a habit of you know distributing wounds widely um anyway i think and killing your allies too yeah and killing your allies
2: and spinning up your yeah, dice. At too.
0: <laughs> very good at all that.
2: right what killer, what's your what's your card?
0: let's talk about Serve the City. I I, I think I think Chant of Transfusion is the best card in this these three. I think Serve the City is probably the worst. Let's but let's still talk about it because I do think it works well with with Chant of Transfusion if we want to go there. But anyway, so serve the city, side action in one ceremonial class to to put onto your spellboard. It's a ready spell. Um, main action, exhaust it. Deal 1 damage to an unexhausted unit you control to add 1 to its attack value for the remainder of the turn. If that unit can't attack, you may take an attack action declaring that unit as the only attacker. Um, So the deal 1 damage to an unexhausted unit you control to me is the interesting part of this card and I think where we need to find synergy with it right and it so the you know chant of chance tran- tran- I can't even say chant of transfusion like <laughs> I, I can't say this but <laughs> anyway that like that chant uh, you know comes to mind right away, right because they you, I can deal a damage, I can uh, make a boosted attack and then assuming the thing survives and I get to choose where I attack so I can attack something and make sure it survives. now I can transfuse. My wound off of it, onto something else, right? That's a cool little
2: chance. Yeah, fusion. chance fusion.
0: Yeah, oh boy. <laughs> it, um, that, like, like that's you know, so that's an obvious you know, cool little in pre con combo. That I like. Other than that, I I don't think this card is good. Um, but I want to explore. Ways to use that wound marker that you give yourself. <laughs> if, if there are ways to do it. And I haven't thought
2: too hard about that. It's so bad. I just don't get. Like. I'm trying to think now. Specifically within. The mono precon Where. This fits. Because outside of it. I, I don't get it. I, I don't get all. Again the caveats. That have like for one damage or one one boost on a unit you have to take up a spellboard slot deal a damage specifically to an unexhausted unit and then you can only attack with that unit to actually get the benefit like i just i don't get it where what does this other than chant of transfusion
1: well calamity golem
2: I mean, inside. Wow.
0: Yeah, Calamity Golems, I guess, is another way to use. And Infuriate as well, which we're going to talk about in a second.
2: Infuriate, yeah. Infuriate's cool. But it's just a lot. It's a lot, and outside of that one those the one specific unit, I don't see where this is really getting you round-over-round round value that isn't outclassed by having I mean, another unit.
0: Aren't you playing Dread Wraith? I mean, come on.
2: <laughs> yeah, this... right. Like, this is chant of hostility, or... Whatever it is, right? This is basically it.
1: Look, I think this is bad, but I'm gonna I'm gonna observe some some things about it. Um, make some observations.
2: Are you devil's advocate or just the devil here? What's wrong? <laughs> uh-huh.
1: Um, the devil needs no advocates. I'm I'm advocating for fun and our value proposition of open minded deck building. <laughs> that's
2: that's what I'm advocating. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's, that's probably that's probably worth it. We should stick with that. I've heard
1: this card compared to strengthen a lot, which makes a lot of sense. I think that's a very good comparison. Um, Strengthen for, you know, a nature and a ceremonial class to put down. Side action, add two to the strength of unit. Um, And I think in, you know, I don't know, 90% of situations, Strengthen is probably a better card, which is really saying something because Strengthen is really not played very often. Um, But one of the things that's interesting about serve the city so first of all there is the wound synergy so adding a wound to calamity golem good but the fact that this also leaves your side action also free um and adds a little bit more boost i think is interesting so the fact that we've got now a whole bunch of you know on when attackers are declared cards and side action cards that you could play and this being the kind of icing on top so you know take a calamity golem that you've played and this is i'm just going to admit right now where i'm going with this is definitely in (laughs) kitchen table jank zone but get a calamity golem down that you've played and maybe chant of transfusion to wound off of or whatever but you know if you've got a wound to spare you could um you could infuriate crescendo serve the city and it's dealing a boatload of damage and obliterating much of the opponent's board at the same time. That's a, I mean, that's a play that I'm going to at some point probably try and, you know, look for or stand still as you're, you know, on, on attack action. Like just the fact that you can stack both the side action and the, when attackers are declared, cards that we have now on top of the serve the city i think makes it interesting and creates a little bit of a window for it to play a role that strength and doesn't play um i will say that it's really sad that we don't have any as far as i know oh this was the other thing that i was thinking of so if you think about what are the side action summons all the allies are one health i believe as far as i know uh, you've got there's a mortal your...
0: commander but i don't count that
1: okay so mortal commander yeah but then there are cards like sarasaurus and ghostly mount which could be interesting cards to serve the city with like sarasaurus is kind of the classic you know guard pressure take three to face now it's four to face and it might be nice to be able to boost that uh, boost that unit to attack in the same round that you send it in and again that's a situation where you've got the side action spoken for but yeah, I I think unless you're going really heavy wound synergy and or looking to preserve your side actions for other things other than strengthen I don't I don't know that this card has much value
2: Sarasaurus is an interesting one I just think um, I I mean why did it have to be only that unit can attack why did it have to be um you have to specifically deal the damage to you know that unit and then only boost that unit like it's like when i think of vengeance in james it's very similar all the vengeance destroys but it it would just it would have been maybe just the status bit better if you could apply that buff to anything so that you could swing with multiple units or do something. And it makes sense again from a precon perspective. I can see the synergies with Calamity Golem and Infuriate, which I'll talk about, because that's a side action where you could do a boatload if you have an opening. But when you're not playing against, you know, the AI the Chimera, it just feels like this is so many steps to set up as a combo that it's, it's not there. So maybe, I mean, and granted, I think that there is a place and that there should be design space specifically for PvP mode. I think that'll be, it's going to happen in the next sets that come out. I think it makes sense that if you're designing two different modes of a game, there are going to be cards that work for both. There are going to be cards that work really well in PvP and there's going to be cards that work really well in PvE. And this seems like one that might work really well in PvE. Um, but I just, it's not going to be something that I think sees a lot of play, um, in, in PVP. I I just, it's outclassed by so many other Well, let me,
0: let me talk about this for a second. I mean, obviously the divine die power is, is a fairly useful power. Yeah. Right. It, it gets used. Um, I mean the decks that I run divine in once or twice a game, I'm typically going to divine buff something and swing right now. So one thing I think that I I, I didn't really think too much about, and we haven't talked about yet. So I wonder if you guys are thinking about this. Oh boy. I wonder if anybody's thinking about this, but is, is where you, where you play serve the city as your side action and then you use it right away, which you can do.
1: Yeah. I think that's totally legit. I think that's why it's a side action. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So like, I like this to me. I I know it's a ready spell that takes up a spellboard slot, and you know most of the time when you see a ready spell, you're like, I, you know, I have to first five this, or I'm not getting my full value out of it, right? I I feel like this card could be one of those like two or three ofs that you put in that you don't really want to first five, but you you s- surprise somebody with it, right? And in round two and you just drop it and then buff something up to swing and, and guard pressure a unit that they didn't think you could guard pressure. Right? Like they're, they down and you side action, serve the city main action, swing your cloudburst Griffin at it or something for four. Um, And now it's still there. So if you do get to the next round, you get to do it again. Um, you know, and, and I, I kind of like that play, like the, like the unexpected, I just boosted a guy up. Like, you know, the divine, the thing about the divine die power is it's great, but it's telegraphed, right? You have to, you have to meditate up for it the turn before, um, this isn't, I mean, it, nobody is going to see a ceremonial class die sitting on your spellboard and expect you to use it to boost someone's attack by one.
2: That's pretty cool. It's definitely a surprise. I mean, it's a surprise, you know, in the same vein as if you did a reaction sort of surprise, crescendo, standstill, that type of thing. It's not as telegraphed as fighting spirit, which also takes work to build up. Um, that's an interesting idea. I Is it worth the three spell slots? Yeah, I don't... Is it worth the three deck slots, right? Yeah, I don't know. Well, de- de- deck slots, sorry. That's what I meant. Because then you also have to keep... The option open right. on your spellboard. Yeah,
0: I mean, I could see it. You pair it up with something like Ruin Dweller, where it's already in color, and you that's a three attack unit that I can buff to four and, you know, g- guard pressure a Sonic Swordsman or something with.
1: I like it. I like the idea of the three attack Quick Strikers. I mean, the place I was thinking about it was in something like Saria, for example, who, you know, yeah. suddenly your Raven's pressuring a knight um but knights would have to be played more than they're played right now to ever
2: play th- well i do think they're going to be i i think we're moving to a bigger meta or taller meta um after this set comes this over. is
1: also deal of damage so like frost Fangs swinging for four is kind of cool um yeah
2: and well any armored unit is definitely a, a target for this, right? Just, or you know, whether it's root armored or natural celestial knight frostfang, those types of things. The other
1: thing things. it you know, I don't know. I wonder if there's like a hypnotized calamity golem deck that you could play because this leaves your hip you know, your side action available for bypass
2: potentially.
0: Yeah, I mean it gives you hmm. you know, boost your attack up by two or something when you do it to a golem or a wraith.
2: But... Secret door frostfang. <laughs> Serve the city. <laughs> we got there. Oh, thank goodness! There we go. All right, we solved it, guys. Let's close up shop. Um. Okay. Well, speaking of side actions that you could pair this with, uh, we've got Infuriate, which is an alteration spell. So that's pretty. I always like seeing more alterations. And are there outside of regress? Are there any ceremonial alterations? Can't think of any. Can't think of any me neither yeah so side action uh ceremonial class this unit now has the following abilities frenzy two when this unit is declared as an attacker deal two damage to it and then it has an inexhaustible ability rage one add one to this unit's attack value for each wound token on this unit and rage is the same um inexhaustible ability that is on dread wraith yep That's correct. If I am getting that right. Um, So yeah, I I think this is... It's a pretty cool card. I mean, I I like Alterations. Obviously, there's a ton of synergy in this deck with Wounds. Um, You know, the Calamity Golem, Dreadwraiths. I think there are going to be decks that come out because it's just... It's cool to play with them, but it's also cool that it has what is that rage two then? And uh, so what is the, it gets up to nine with, with two wounds already on it. Nine. And then you add infuriate. That's, or is it three wounds It gets to nine? It's, 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 Cause it's, it's yeah, basically so be seven, six, right? For dread wraith.
0: It adds two. It's, it, yeah. You put infuriate on it and it's going to add two for every wound on it. So starts at one. So three wounds would be seven. I mean, that's, that's a lot.
2: That's a lot. Yeah. And then if you do have standstill, um, that's a big yeah, punch. I to mean, the it, face. I, people are going
0: to build the Dread Wraith deck, right? It's not going to be good, but people are going to build it. Oh, yeah. Um, It's going to be better than it was. So now I've got a now I've got a unit on my spellboard that I can use serve the city on and get plus two or well plus three if you have infuriate. I mean, it, so that's a you know, that's a thing. Why not?
2: <laughs> i wonder why it's why the artwork is a rhino like is is this meant is nick hinting saying like this must be played in a rhino deck because i think that would uh and that's right up my alley i'd love to try i mean you can do that <laughs> smash right? you face. spend all your it.
0: dice you could spend seven dice on a rhino and two on this
2: nine or ten yeah that'd be that'd be awesome
0: with a good unit
2: <laughs> but you can't do that round one you can do it the first turn around two though that's true i think i think a lot of these cards though are explosive or big damage in that case because of the chimera right like that's just no you need a lot of damage no you don't think so when you're playing hard i don't i haven't played you know but if it's like 80 health or whatever it helps when you can punch for 10 with one guy and then if you have any refresh effects yeah you
1: generally beat the chimera by because every time you remove a unit from the chimera's board you kill it so i think the blood points are probably going to be the way to kill the chimera but yeah i think that's interesting you definitely need more damage and smaller pings are way devalued i think except if unless they can go to units um but the place i'm interested in this is actually as an offensive sorry not a as a removal spell so stick this on your opponent's griffin what are they what are they gonna do like let it sit there and block
2: well i mean they're playing griffin and rin so naturally well, they're gonna yes, ice buff, buff not, it and do then not say play hi. this against rin
0: <laughs> then hit you for five <laughs>
1: although that's a cool thing rin R- rin furiate decks is that is that yeah. the meta rin furiate yeah Gotta but love I, it. I think it's kind of a cool if you have both units that you might want to put this on like frostback bears or whatever and you're worried about three twos that eat frostback bears could be could be fun but yeah it's still a blocker obviously um so maybe not ideal maybe the other place you you know maybe you put them on you run your suite of polarity mages so you can pull them back a few times and drop them on other units but Honestly, like I don't and know. You, if
0: you're if you have Polarity Mage, you know you're in color for Lightbringer and there's I mean, you know, you can just do that cheese where you side action infuriate main action lightbringer and make it kill itself.
2: <laughs> what was the, what was the unique that um, basically stops attacking? Like you get a damage or a blood puppet or what what was that card? Was it one of the uniques? oh play yeah playtime it was a jessa playtime when this unit is declared as an attacker or blocker or guard deal a damage to your phoenix born oh yeah that's gonna see some lightbringer shenanigans but oh yeah also
1: cheaper way to get rid of your own blood puppets if someone's spamming you (laughs) with them make them angry blood puppets send them to their death
0: you know i i never thought about frostback bear and i don't know why but frostback bear is the right place to put this card
2: yeah, three life.
0: Yeah, and, and bypass built into it. I mean, now you're it's like a it's like a faster, massive growth. It's a little that, you know, dumbed down. It's like ha- half of a massive growth. But it, yeah, it's
1: a little weaker.
0: It happens in one turn. They don't get a chance to remove the thing or set up a blocker. Right. Right. That's that's really good. Like I it's, it's probably going to be. I, I could see it going into like the foggy bear decks over massive growth.
2: It's a cheaper explosive growth, for, yeah. Like specifically with Frostback Bear, right? Because you, in either case, you're getting two a buff yeah. of two. I mean,
0: side action, infuriate. Main action, swing a bear and a mind fog out for six. That's awesome. Like, and people are gonna do that. And I think that's that's that might make this better than China Transfusion. Actually, chant. I'm just gonna call it Chant Fusion because I can't freaking say the words. <laughs> um, but. <laughs> I, it's pro- it, it, it might make it better than that, just the combo with bear. And I didn't think about bear because. Because
1: there's a rhino on the front. That's the yeah, way. And this, right. <laughs> He's distracting you, the giant yeah.
0: rhino.
2: <laughs> Speaking, because uh, all of a sudden I got completely, like, my mind went sidetracked as soon as I started thinking of big punches on Chimera. But I want to see someone do a one punch Chimera kill. You know, like, that would be really cool. I know who was it? No such method when he did he had like 54 tokens on snake. I want to see that. I want to see just the one punch. You just put
0: America. two explosive gross on a snake and you put And there's like fit, get to 15 tokens or something and then it's just dead. How many da- how many damage that, that that's 45 I guess that's not that much. Um <laughs> how much single how much life the thing has.
1: Well, in co-op though there are other shenanigans like you could have your uh partner putting explosive growths on your snake too yeah so. anyway yeah the Camaro is going to be fun to stunt on for sure i think yeah i think infuriate if you if you can find units that yeah the, those three health units like i think um grave knight turn one swing grave knight for six <laughs> turn two yeah. it's not the worst use of four dice in a burn deck um so i don't know we'll see it's interesting
2: do you think it would this card gets added to a brennan deck to to stop attackers like because we were talking about it specifically as removal and if it's like if you're going for any big hit punches you just say okay well you're not going to attack me and then i just i sit back and burning out
0: people didn't really play regress which already does that i've
1: tried i've got a brennan deck that is foggy bear plus regress for that idea it's got a very mixed record <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean i i get it right like you know shut down their guy and then throw burn over the top that makes sense but this might be better than regress insofar as you can put it on your own guys if Brent, i mean brennan doesn't usually have any three life guys but if she decides to then you can do, you know, you can have the option to go both ways with infuriate.
2: It's tough. I, I probably not, but it was just yeah. It's it's a good it is a thought. good
0: thought. I mean, you're gonna, you know that that's a way to take the downside of they can still block with the thing out of the equation, right? Like you, you just throw burn over the top, or you, if you have some other kind of bypass, you use that. Um, but it it is a cool, you know, way to just shut down a. And I guess if they're, you know, it, it's it's kind of a clog spell. In a way,
2: it shuts down S- Soraya, right? Shuts down yeah. Raven.
0: I mean, for a round, right? I mean, it, it's uh, it shuts it, and you know, she can still do her seeds of aggression garbage, but
1: yeah, and she doesn't mind blocking generally.
0: Yeah, it 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 does lock a battlefield spot up. I mean, it always they always have the option to just main action clear it out by attacking with it. But it's still, you know, for one die, killing a two life thing. Is good, right? That's good value. So if you're going to take a griffin off the uh, off the board or a ruined dweller or whatever, I guess ruined is probably a bad example because it can just sit there and still burn you. But other two twos or three twos or. That's not bad to toss one of these things on there.
2: Like from a design point, these are the types of cards where you know you have multiple uses and you you can use it offensively you can use it defensively you can use it combo style um with sort of maybe what it's more intended to be used with or you can use it in niche situations or or just as a one-off i think that's like that's when you know that there are just so many ideas that one card can generate that i think is what makes a good card or at least a well like you know design card especially now that we have two different modes um whereas other cards where it's like what the heck do i do with this or this is only this one specific thing unless it does that thing very very well it inevitably gets replaced or it's just like why am i taking this over something that's more that has more utility um or or more uh, you know uh more situations in which it can be used you know
0: if if, if real quick if massive growth wasn't chained i would totally Run the dread wraith, massive growth, infuriate, hypnotize, golden veil first five, <laughs> at least a couple times.
2: That's awesome. I mean,
0: who's going to do that, right? It, yeah. Someone let, that's going to happen. Someone's going to play a dread wraith. They're going to massive grow it and infuriate it in the same turn.
2: Well, it's basically Hydra, Hydra ceremonial, like ceremonial yeah, Hydra, but, right?
0: Except you know, it's Hydra thing. has its own bypass. But, but you know, yeah. then, then, what, so what's the dread wraith swing for then, right? It swings for five, six, seven, eight, nine. not. It's just, is it just nine. nine,
2: ten, seven, eleven? No, because well, massive yeah. growth. So right? it's so massive growth is four right. and then five. two wounds is and then uh, is four more wounds, but with rage so two is nine. four more. Yeah. So and if you can get any other wound, then you see this is where serve the city comes into play.
0: Yeah, but like you can you punch him in round one with hypnotize and then you punch him in the first ra- uh, turn of round two and then you just win.
2: So is this the new version of Horse Cheese? This is Wraith Cheese?
0: No, because Massive Growth is Chained, so I'm not allowed to do it. But um, I guess we have to keep Massive Growth Chained then. Or Dread Race will dominate the
2: meta. Can't have that.
0: No. Yeah, these these so these are pretty cool new cards. I mean, they're fun at least, if nothing else. I, I think Infuriate yeah. sees some play. I do think uh, Chance Fusion is going to make its way into some decks too. I think the jury's still out on whether or not it's good, but it's got an off chance to be. I think Serve the City is just a Red King card. Yeah, it's
2: a
1: it's a card you write off until Red King dumpsters you with it and then you re yep. reconsider
0: everything.
2: <laughs> Does it no, it's still it doesn't replace small sack in like a string no. capacity, right? Nope. No.
0: He's gonna come up with something we haven't thought of and it's gonna be good.
2: You don't you don't know it until you try every combination, I, right? Yep. Every permutation.
0: So um, and when I was trolling the discord for Casey and the car ideas, it, Ninja Dance Mat brought up this idea of ceilings and floors in decks, right? And particularly in round two. And well, I mean, what I got out of that question. Was, you know, how, how like like talk a little bit about what the ceiling of a deck is when you are spending a lot of your first five resources on building up a spell board, you know, versus a floor, um, you know, if you put four books on the board in round one, then your round two floor is higher because you've got resources to use versus what you draw, um, you know, and then conversely to a deck like you know maybe what clue has been running recently that is just all allies and hardly any ready spells where you know so there's that but i i think we can kind of expand that discussion a little bit into some of the major archetypes in the meta and what their ceilings and floors kind of look like against the rest of the field so that that, just to tee that up that's where i mean i have lots of thoughts but i mean start wherever you guys want what do you what do you guys think about this topic specifically
2: how about we first define or or like interpret what it means to have a high ceiling um in in a deck or even in a card and for me when i think about that it tends to be more about either explosive um plays that might be more niche or setup dependent um or not even setup dependent, but situationally dependent in terms of how much you can do if everything lines up, whereas the floor of a deck is more about the reliability in terms of round over round um or game over game, how consistent you can expect similar results um and and those two things you know definitely. When you're talking about combo decks in big plays um, outside of maybe competitive like tournaments, I think we see a lot more high ceiling decks that people like to play. Right? There's a lot more experimentation of like, I'm gonna try Iron Rhino or, or um, Dreadwraith deck or all these. You know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe Horse Cheese. I haven't played against it, but that probably that idea spawned about like how big can I get. Fast if everything lines up as long as the opponent does not have double hard removal at the start and then you you know you can almost guarantee your win because you're going to do a one-shot kill like that that type of idea is a high ceiling to me um and if i recall correctly you know going back to the shuffle bus guys even i think neil had always talked more about the floor being more important Um, and if you look at it from the perspective of like reliability game over game um, i would agree because it's about ensuring that you either get the card draws if you're not playing a high spell board um, or making sure that you have consistent unit and damage output regardless of the luck of the game because there is a lot of luck of the game in both the draw and the roll and you're always trying to mitigate that as a player but you can't mitigate it perfectly Um, and so having cards either that always provide value that are never dead in hand or having a strong spell board that you always have the ability to spend dice is what i think of in terms of a high floor whether that's a you know decks archetype or just when you're building a deck thinking like are these cards going to be dead nine times out of 10? But the one time it's there, it's like, that's it, you know? And so silver bullets are probably more high ceiling versus floor as an example. But that's just sort of what I would think of.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think of it similarly. I guess the only thing I would... um, Yeah, high floor, I think, means low variance round over round, as you said. And I think the only thing I would add or emphasize about the higher ceiling is the concept of dice efficiency playing in there and really saying, look, you know, there are obviously very high ceiling, um, plays that can have incredible dice efficiency. Like, you know, the, the snake that kills you is a really efficient unit. Um, uh, but there's also just a ton of value being generated constantly by salamander monks, um, all the time as Brian B has shown. So I think, um, and I think that's where, you know, looking at the decks that Brian, others have built in hope, um, even not not even the creeper decks, just the the decks that load up on books, high value books, um, I think demonstrate what the potential is for high ceiling low floor decks built basically on pure efficiency, not not those blockbuster plays that are high variance plays, but just, really building up an inevitability that they can do they can play the most efficient plays in the game multiple times around so you know drawing into the multiple salamander books drawing into the multiple um, wishing wing books or snapper books um, is really really powerful wishing wing is really the engine there it's not in and of itself I think particularly efficient but um, so yeah I think that's how increasingly how I've come to think about it. And um, I definitely think that one of the really fascinating tensions about the game is um, if you give space to a four book, you know, a well-constructed four book deck to set up and you are not running four books, I think you need to be getting, You, you we always talk about needing to win round one, but like you need to put, A hurt on your opponent in round one to make up to for the value generation that they're going to produce in rounds two and three so you really need to come out ahead in a significant way i think round one to make up for that gap um and i think um in general that means you know fast starts um night starts things like that that can really perhaps come out faster than the four book decks can set up um one other thing i'll say is um maybe just pivot to where where you get value round over round or try and raise your floor if you're not playing four book um i've been playing the Saria deck i linked um in the discord that waves designed that's got it's four book technically but one of the books is canyon shelter so it's really three book in my mind omen bringer ruby cobra raven um and it's got nine allies, but it's three copies of Pain Shaman, three copies of Imperial Ninja, three copies of Sunshield Sentry, and that's the kind of deck I never build. Like I never go three allies wide for three allies. But it is—I have to say—it's so nice. It basically means your your ally draws are like books. I mean, you don't know exactly what you'll get, but knowing you'll count, you can count on at least generally one of those three, and sometimes two of those three, round over round. Um, plus you have you know six ish dice spent on your spellboard every round makes it so much it it gives me such a sense of security that i can do the things the deck wants to do consistently even though i'm relying on allies to some degree to to do that and that's not a feeling i'm used to because i do tend to build these decks that have like random singleton allies you know seven or nine deep um and it makes every round quite a puzzle um, and one of the th- that's one of the things that I, I feel like qualitatively distinguishes a high floor deck is that you look at your hand and you almost immediately know how the round is going to go based on the hand because you, you know, or the, the round kind of plays itself out. You might have a couple of big choice points, but you kind of know how your dice are going to get spent. And when I haven't designed a deck very well, I'm like, how can I possibly get to 10 dice efficiently spent from this mix of you know, random spellboard slots and singleton allies that I threw in the deck for odd situations that haven't materialized.
0: So if I had to ask you guys, what is more important, a high ceiling or a high floor? What would you say? Like not by not card by card, but for your whole deck, what's more important, a high ceiling or a high floor?
2: I, so I think my philosophies have changed over time. Um, or at least lately because of, brennan and hope creepers um i've looked at it differently i'm i'm looking i think probably more at the ceiling of my decks especially first five like i i've taken a chapter out of uh clues book um ever since i read it and i think one of his articles which was just that your first fives do not have to be what the rest of your deck is and i've tried developing decks that have completely like almost no overlap in their first fives because i want that high ceiling for specific matchups and then once i get those you know 10 to 15 cards the rest of my cards are more about the the consistency more about the floor of like making sure that i'm going to draw into the cards i need to sort of stay level or just for the the average matchup that i have a consistent floor of books that i can rely on um but as like a general rule or if i was advising someone on building a deck i would talk about the floor um and just like you know there are tons of cards especially when i started that were cool or splashy or you know i i really wanted to experiment with the the sort of timmy johnny stuff and when you face good players and they can, like you said, um, Shmeny, just reliably spend all 10 of their dice consistently and always have the right answers, you're like, how are they getting the right draw every round? It's just because the deck has been built in such a way that the floor is always there. Like, There's never or rarely going to be a bad draw. There's rarely going to be a situation that they don't have the dice to spend or they don't have the outs. Um, and that's very difficult to see um, in any given game, um, and I think that's why my results, especially last year, were so poor because I would go through decks and only ever play maybe two or three games with a given deck, and you don't get to see over time the impact of the choices you've made in the deck building, but also you don't really get a chance to reevaluate and change your deck to then further see. So when I started... You know, I talked about this a couple episodes, like my 1070-10, even just 10 games with one deck, I noticed a huge difference compared to what I used to play. And I think that that has um, contributed to a higher win rate for me lately, um, and just feeling better with any given deck or feeling like I have the right choices. And so and I think we've seen that too, um, and I don't know if you guys are going to talk about this, but just like with brancus in the current winter open the waves winter open when you know that there's a given good deck and you have a brand new player coming into the scene and a brand new player jumping into a tournament with you know great players the fact that he has a deck that has such a high floor of damage output of reliability of consistent um you know fairly consistent draws because there's not really that many cards it's the jk brennan yeah, the J.K. That's Brennan, okay. I should... There's there's really not, like, a variety of cards. I think there's maybe 12 or 13 cards. So that just, you know, is a high floor that you're always going to get what you need. And he's, what, top four? Top eight now? I, I don't know where we are, but... Top four. Yeah, top four. That's amazing. That's incredible. Um, Creepers, obviously, is another deck where just the consistency, the efficiency round over round is a high floor, and that's why it beats so many things. Um and the ceiling decks tend to be those gatekeeper decks where if you get that matchup the right one you could have the, a great deck that would win against the rest of the field but you lose just because that's the high ceiling you know but that that person that deck that player is probably not going to make a top cut but they are going to gatekeep against a lot of things so that floor is more important but that's not that's sort of where my current deck building has shifted a little bit just in a, an attempt to find solutions to those those high floor decks.
0: Spendrix, which one do you think is more important?
1: I have to say I've gone on a similar journey, I think, as the treatment described where, you know, I um, I ran Realmwalker hunting weapons in a shuffle bus tournament, <laughs> which is a pretty ballsy move for an open list tournament. and um, yeah, that's a really high ceiling that that deck can score round one wins, actually, if if you really get greedy with it. Um, or it can win, win top of round two pretty easily as well. Uh, but I have to say I have to say when I started, like I looked at Philly's Airedale deck, for example, and he was playing that deck. It's probably in the early stages when I started, but you know, my first year it was really dominant. And like it just felt really boring to me to be totally honest with you i was like i don't want to play these long games of like small trades um with units with this four book engine and um but having i i think actually it was the realm walker hunting weapons experience where it was just like the amount of like anxiety verging on terror i felt in those matchups knowing that like if my opponent had first five the right card i was done or like the right couple cards um i've been playing a lot of i've been net decking a lot and i've been playing decks more consistently um and i've been playing decks with like coherent long-term plans it's one of the things i really like about the leo decks that i've designed that brian b helped me with um and i think i have i have grown so much more comfortable in my play knowing that I have a clear vision of a round three win and I have a deck designed to deliver that win with a pretty high degree of consistency. That feels, that's a much more pleasant way to play actually than feeling like I need to win round one in like a hugely decisive way, or I have no chance in this game. Um, The games do tend to go longer, but not hugely longer. And I'm, I'm having a lot more fun with them. So I didn't appreciate them at first or I don't, I didn't appreciate them as much as I do now The the high floor decks that, like I said, have a very coherent game plan, a vision for how they win in round three and they have a means of getting you there.
2: I mean, just one, one last point before you take it back killer. If you look at, if you look at the current good decks and even um, whether it's this tournament or just overall, I think all of those decks started with sort of the design of a high ceiling. um, With something that was known that had high damage output, that had a a really, you know, um, potentially aggressive game plan. And then as they evolve over time, people who, who took those ideas and developed them into strong decks are people who are able to cut you know the cruft and elevate the floor to be more consistent so if you talk specifically like you know the the realm of the absurd the the realm walker hunting weapons deck that I, i'm you know for for better or worse i'll say that you pioneered Spendrix. clue's been playing it for the last three tournaments and he just he took it from that like I can or I have to win round one, otherwise the deck is a bust, to his iterations now feel so consistent. He can start really aggressive, but he has those backup plans. Um, You know, you had the Brennan, early Brennan decks, at least as far as like when I was joining, and it was all about the Raptor Herder, Sleeping Widows open, and if your opponent didn't have a plan for that, you, you won. If they did... You were probably screwed. Like Brennan had if they had to win round one around round two, otherwise they would lose. But now JK's deck has shown that you can be very flexible, not only in your start and start a little bit slower, but it's going to get there no matter what. Creepers had been around forever, and as far as I know, Carl was always the the one backing them, saying, Yeah, creepers are strong, especially in Koji. But it wasn't until Hope came along at, which really elevated the floor, the consistency of getting those guaranteed outputs. And then even more so now with cards like um, Tidal Crab that gener- like that guarantee almost that you're going to get the um, the Thorns out. And so I think that that's kind of how a lot of these deck ideas evolve where there's, just, there's someone who's like, hey, I can win this in round one or round two um, and then someone else comes along and is like, okay, but how can we even this out and bring the floor up so that it's good everywhere? And I think it would be really cool, and I still try to do things like that, where it's like, Archosaurus, you know, th- three refreshes in round one is awesome. Is there a way to even that out? Or a Rhino deck, you know, that's what um, Red King has done. He, his whole thing was, no, you can win with this. You just have to elevate the floor. And I think that's what he does with a lot of his decks, is he elevates the floor of really bad cards or really good cards, but that have a very specific win condition.
0: All right. So that you just said a lot of really good stuff that, that I was going to say, but I'll, I'll still say in a different way. Um, I so, so when you ask me that question, right, what's more important, the ceiling or the floor? My answer is the ceiling. And I, I think it's, I think if your deck doesn't have a high ceiling, then it's, it's, A big problem. Right. Number one. And I I think you're 100% right in that the the reason that these meta decks are on top of the meta is that they have. They have the highest of ceilings. Right with I mean, Brennan burn is the highest ceiling that there is. If you don't count like the one punch, you know, like horse, I guess horse cheese is like the highest ceiling there is. But, I mean, absent that, I mean, Brennan's winning in 14 dice often, right? Like, that's a pretty high ceiling. Um, but in the, the, the reason that deck has done so well is, like you said, they've been able to take the floor and push it to a level where if that high ceiling doesn't happen, there's still a fallback option um now when i what i'll say though is
1: that right a bad game is like 18 dice or something for jk's brennan yeah or even (laughs) 22
0: dice like that that's a bad yeah that's a bad game that maybe that's the floor and the the ceiling is 12 dice and some you know most games end up somewhere in between but what i'll say is like when you look at decks that are so when you look at the decks that people like brian and carl and matt are playing and even Philly back when he played four book, those guys tend to play the high floor deck, right? Like, I mean, I guess creepers, you know, hope creepers right now with Carlos is playing is a pretty high ceiling deck too. But even that, I mean, hope usually isn't going to beat you in 14, 15 dice. I mean, it's probably going to go a little longer than that, but I, they, you know, they're so good at the game that they can they can pull off those value trades. And if the game gets into a grind out right they're high that's where their high floor wins and their skill level is such that they're always going to win that game. That depends on what, you know, the floor. So I, I, I guess my throw out to the to the newer players or not even the newer ones the the players that are trying to get to that next level is, you know, b- b- play to the ceiling, right? Like, like don't go to the floor. I, I think, I think the, the higher, the ceiling of your deck, the, the less skill matters <laughs> in the game. I, I if you want to win games, play decks that have big ceilings and, do something that is you know a, a bit outlandish or a bit I don't know what the what the word is if it's a, a bit different a bit bigger a bit whatever um, I, I've done a lot of deck building lately building to the ceiling with decks and not as concerned about the floor um, the James Raptor Herder deck I play I hate that It was guy. a very <laughs> a lot. I think everybody that has played against it hates it. I played against it the other day. Redentor decided to use it. Um, and he had a random Ash techie game up that I joined and he was like, he's like, I, I was going to play your Raptor herder deck, <laughs> your James deck. And I was like, okay, go ahead. And then I lost to it too. And I was like, yeah, I hate that deck. It sucks. Um, but it, it's a very, very high ceiling deck, right? Like I don't know. I don't know how you define the floor. I mean, I guess the floor is not the first to deny that, but it's a it's a very aggressive, very high, fast, very like high ceiling deck, and it's been very successful because I, the ashes is in a plaything for the quick and a deck that has a high ceiling that can execute that plan, um, consistently. Even if you know in the times where you don't consistently execute the plan, if there's you know the, the bottom drops out and you lose the game, um. Especially, I think if you're if you're a lower skill level player, that's yeah, you, I think that's okay. Like, <laughs> I think you're going to win more games if you just have a, a really high ceiling plan that you can execute.
2: I think where some of the decks, like specifically, this is an, another deck that you built. But like when I think of um, the deck that Flora is playing, the Airedale deck, and any deck really that makes use of explosive growth. Um, those are examples of like high ceiling decks that are then backed up by a high floor right you have the the consistency you have the four book you have the the ton of removal to play the longer game but ideally you're winning or at least you know dealing the bulk of your your damage your win condition through a big like mirror spirit punch when you you finally open it up and it's about engineering that and then same thing with ninja playing a hydra deck and previously you know kyla was the the last world
1: or the fighting spirit decks
2: or the fighting spirit redenter right playing his deck too to uh one of the the wins. no such methods Cole fighting spirit yeah one. you know snake yeah. in in general right any mayoni snake deck um those are high ceiling decks that might take a little bit of engineering um and build up but they also have that floor where they can go longer if the big if the big explosive punch um, does not appear. And um I have a couple decks like that, and it's not something though that I ever think about while I'm building, but I do try and be like, well, overall, how does you know it's when you're building a deck, we talked about this. How does this deck win? Um, and especially if it's a swing or a burn deck, I think you need to count up the Potential expected output of that deck. Um, and that's one of the risks of playing, say, for instance, a higher ally deck, is that those things can get meted away. And unless you have a ton of recursion, whether it's Xander, Shepherds, whatever, um, those can be riskier because you can lose that high output. Um, you know, typically you're playing knights, which have good value, but if you meditate three or four of them away, you're out of luck and that's where the sort of the difference between high spell board um, versus higher ally counts or, or burn decks really differ
1: I think the I think that's fair but you know if we just I, I, th- I think that there's something to this idea of using the I think a lot of that makes sense but using the Brennan formulation of what's your ceiling in terms of how few dice could you win in and what's your floor in terms of you know how many dice it would take to win obviously it's a lot more complicated that than that for most decks but one thing that struck me about a lot of the decks you talked about is like i think they they share some similarities with each other in that they have a very clear like i said you know round three-ish maybe late round two win condition that they're working towards that they can pretty consistently get to and call it 25 dice or something like that um they know what it is it's that it's that swing after a lot of you know removal or battlefield engineering maybe it's 28 30 um and some of them also have the potential to win if they if they really win round one although they're not necessarily trying to but if their opponent just you know miss first fives or something they can win faster than that um but i think what i i think i still think those are pretty high floor decks i don't i don't see those necessarily as high ceiling decks if the ceiling is how few dice could you win in and maybe that's not the definition of ceiling that we're going to but i think there's starts to i guess effectively conflate ceiling with speed but i do think I don't know, there's something compelling to me about that formulation of trying to understand how consistently can you get to a win within a certain number of dice. Um, and I agree, Killer, that like I think you need to have a clear win con in your deck. I, I, that's what I hear you saying to new players, is like, new player, you have to understand what your win con is. I guess the caution I would just offer is like, I mean, I'm two years into playing the game and I'm finding a huge amount of value in net decking just because... I really appreciate playing with other people's decks that have clear win cons that they're building around. And I wish I'd done that earlier on. Um, and it just starts to, you, I think getting a feel for what a strong win con and a deck built around that win con feels like, and then picking your win con coming up with an ambitious one, going for it and doing what clue has done to the realm Walker deck. And I've told clue like realm Walker, like he that's his clearly his deck at this point. He's taken it so far beyond what I ran into, um, shuffle bus with it. Because in that shuffle bus tournament, I was just thinking of, I was coming up with every potential counterplay option in the first five and coming up with then counters to that. But like, then you're just playing rock, paper, scissors in the first five, and I think that's the definition of low floor high ceiling extremely high variance you either nail your first five selection or you get it badly wrong and you're done um but i think your one's ability to take a deck with a clear win con and iteratively improve it is strengthened immensely by having played top decks and just understanding what those feel like because you can't i don't think theorycraft your way to them until you've or i can't until i've actually played with them
2: So just to throw back to both of you guys, then like we've talked about the high floor and high ceiling, what is, or what are some examples of low floor and low ceiling decks? Are those capable of wins? And like, you know, all all the examples we gave are either burn or swing. What does ceiling or floor mean in the context of mill decks? And, you know, today we, I mean, ever since Three-Eyed Owl got, um, chained, which I think was one of the components of either a high floor, maybe it was high ceiling for a mill deck, we haven't really seen much success. Um, Monk was probably the closest, um, and that was, you know, already a while ago, half a year ago.
0: I think of Inquisitor's Herald as a low ceiling, high floor type mill deck right like that deck you know he he got wins by swinging through sometimes but i mean it was really like set up a battlefield state where we just stare at each other and grind and go back and forth right and i'm gonna i'm gonna outvalue you eventually and and mill you out right that's a to me is a high floor low ceiling type deck
2: that's the one from like shuffle bus three
0: right what, whatever the one was where the game went three hours, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that was I think it was Shuffleboard Four actually. I I mean I don't think you can have a low floor low ceiling deck no. and win like that. It's probably just a bad deck at that point if it. But I I think a low ceiling high floor deck is possible and has and can win and has one right. I, Inquisitor did that. I think Phillies was too.
1: Frankly, I
0: think. Yeah yeah that's another good example right the the Zookeeper deck low ceiling because he didn't really have anything explosive there it just kind of outlasted you So that's another good example um so i think those can win i just think the current metagame is not good for them they're going to get run over by the high ceiling fast stuff
1: no i agree and i think i just say like i think um one of the things that both those two decks have in common which is another trap i see newer players who are interested in mill plans falling into is that they're extremely high on removal in the case of Harold. It's, you know, um, it's Mark, uh, Hunter's Mark based removal, Aredell, you've got Gilder pings and water blasts and everything else, but, um, they're not sitting back in the sense that they are playing a wall of orchid doves, but they're also not playing aggressive in the sense that they're trying to make face swings, they want to take everything off your battlefield as quickly as possible or any threats off your battlefield as quickly as possible and they have a huge array of tools to do it with very little counterplay um and i think yeah i I think sometimes players who might be interested in the lower variance decks get too passive um too quickly uh like in some ways i think the definition of the high floor low ceiling play is removal right like guaranteed value in getting dice off your opponent's board or getting a threat off your opponent's board but it doesn't advance your win con basically at all in and of itself it needs something else to do it so
2: it's like treading water but
1: potentially treading water with a dice advantage and then it's a question of like what are you investing that dice advantage in that potentially defines
2: your game plan but so i mean just out a theory crafting then i mean you know we've just covered the current mono ceremonial stuff um and we at least i'm hoping for eventually mono yeah uh, the, the mono charm to maybe be the next one that comes out uh, and more support for mill decks um what does that what does a high ceiling look like in a deck that is less reliant on either burn or swing. I mean, we usually talk about needing two, like a plan A and a plan B um, out of the three sort of approaches. But what does that look like in the mill style uh, of deck?
0: I think monk's deck is a high ceiling mill deck, right? Like there's, there's some things that beat that. And if your opponent has those things, then he's in trouble. Or, like, that, that deck's in trouble. I mean, if they have some good bypass, then, like, there's a problem, you know? And it's, so that's one example of it. I guess maybe the other example of the high-ceiling mill deck is just, like, when you, where you go all in on mill, mill, and I've, I've, I've thought about doing this, and, this, and really it, but you do stuff, here. you're throwing Imperial Ninjas and Ruby Cobras and Remorses and Blow Finches and just throw all the mill at them as, <laughs> like, as fast as you can and see what happens. You know, m- try and mill them out, and you know we talk about winning the game in fifteen dice. Well, clear out their deck in two rounds, right? Like that's what you're trying to maybe that's what you're trying to do. I, I haven't seen anyone really do that, but I feel like it should be possible. I mean, there's there's twenty five cards in a deck. Yeah. When you start the game, and um, you know, how many of those cards can I in if I give myself twenty dice? Right? How how many of those cards can I discard? Like I, I've th- <laughs> sure a little bit, yeah. But I mean, you know, I I've really seen anyone try that. Um, like the the aggressive mill, right? Like the
2: and and you can reasonably expect meditations, right, to help you out. Like
0: just play all yeah. the stuff that mills cards and do it all and see, and see what happens.
1: I feel like high ceiling mill might not be defined by speed, but just intensity of control that you can create but maybe I'm wrong I'm trying to think about how you talk about that in the same paradigm and like one thing that the monk decks do is it's actually affirmatively difficult to spend all ten of your dice in a lot of rounds against monk because he's kneeled your board (laughs) and you don't have anything to put down and you can't get rid of your stuff so like he's um he's getting a pretty profound resource advantage it's not in terms of necessarily (coughs) beating you with fewer dice spent but it's in how many dice he gets to spend advancing his win con versus how many dice you get to spend advancing yours and when he really locks you out of a game he's spending all of his dice on you know neils orchid doves abundant you know the three abundances other things and you're spending actually not even close to 10 around um I th- yeah, I think High Ceiling Mill feels like you know, it's 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 prison probably. And I think that's why yeah, you know, Netrunner, which is another game I follow but rarely play, just made a bunch of changes, introduced a new ban list to get rid of a really problematic prison deck archetype in the game. And like I don't know, it's interesting. We've all lived I think Prison is a really intense negative play experience for games uh, generator, and I think it's probably a good thing we don't have a dominant prison deck right now, but that's part of the reason why (coughs) mill, I think, is so hard to design around because um, the powerful mill plays are often prison plays, which no one seems to like playing against.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I wonder if there is... I and I don't know if I talked about this. I know I had mentioned on the Discord like a year ago, and just in terms of an idea of a Phoenix born that might have an ability that targets the hand um and fills in effectively what three eyed owl was doing, but still within the parameters of not making round one miserable. So like in this idea would be a Phoenix born that builds up tokens um at the end of every round. And then um can can remove one or more of those tokens to wipe out cards from hand and just putting cards that can put more guaranteed pressure because right now all the cards uh, anguish remorse um, memory theft all of those give the opponent an option Um, and there's nothing that can guarantee that type of mill. And it would be interesting to see if maybe that's where a non-prison style but impactful mill deck can take place in that sort of scheme. Um, otherwise, it's it's very difficult yeah, to find the right balance. I mean, once you get to abundance, it's very powerful doing upwards of six damage around, It's just trying to guarantee getting there, right? It's that floor of trying to get, get there and then guaranteeing that you'll be able to wipe it out. And I know uh brian has an auric deck which uh, and it's not mill but it's the same sort of like guaranteeing that long-term win condition um rowan again not a mill deck but it's those those types of decks that want to go four five six rounds and have a guaranteed win condition and mill is one of those styles of deck and trying to add more support for those without it being a, just a bad play experience, and B, um, something that you can't come back from, right? But I think the ability to have bypass index is or should be more important right now, um, given that there are so many efficient units. Going over the top, I think, is is going to be more of a thing. Going to Knights, having all those options of long-term units, those will be a thing. But that's a side side thought.
0: Yeah, it mills difficult. difficult to design, especially in a game where you only have thirty cards in your deck and only twenty five of them starting there. I mean, it's it's a, it's a very fine, just your opponent being really bored while they're trying to play the game. It, it there's a it, it's a very fine line. I think Ashes really has done a great job in towing that line to this point.
1: Oh, it's pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, or arguably before Oric and Hope, it was a little it was skewed away from it, and we needed more support. But after those two have come in with their support that they brought to it you know Ruby Cobra and Dream Fracture and stuff like that um, I, I it's pretty Uh, I think it's pretty on point to be honest It there, there's just a, a lot of fast stuff right now that invalidates it a little bit but I've still had lots of games you know go to fatigue and have that be a factor or at least if fatigue's not then your lack of options because your cards have been milled is
1: I mean I'm playing Leo and Saria all the time And that Xander deck Xander deck that you design killer is not technically a mill deck, but it's really happy when it gets to the end game and it's just spamming Raptors that he's bringing back and your opponents like struggling to figure (laughs) out which of their books to, to meditate off
0: their spellboard. So that's a, that's a lot of talk I think about Florence healing that I wasn't sure we'd get into, but we did. And I, I think was good. Um, you guys have any other thoughts about,
1: I think, I think it's a really, I think it's a, yeah, I found this conversation really interesting. I think it's a really ripe area to explore. Um, and it was a really cool way into it. So thank you Ninja dance mat for asking the question. And, uh, anyone else who answered asks a similarly thoughtful question, we will tread water similarly
2: for you. Here's, here's a question on, uh, floor and ceiling what's flora's ceiling prediction for this tournament is she gonna take it she could win it for sure i don't know who her top four matchup is is it carl Might carl or tuxedo probably
0: i think it's tuxedo i think it's one of i I think it's one of the whole creeper decks
2: um and then Brancus will take the other
0: yeah she's not playing Brancus. i know that i
1: i have a very strong vested interest given that she's both our our rookie of the year and a Denver local. So I'm definitely rooting for Flora.
2: All right, there we go.
1: No offense to the rest of these guys.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'll say the same. I mean, obviously she's playing my deck, so I'd, I'd like to see it win. Um, and she's playing it better than I did. So I, I, and you know, I've been talking with her between rounds and help, you know, not really. I, I, Made a, I cracked the joke that her and Brancus were my unofficial coaching in the car alumnus alumni earlier. Um, if Matt can have Ash's normal coaching, I'm gonna start coaching in the car. But uh, it, but I mean, really, I've I haven't really coached much. I've just kind of helped here and there, and it it's been a it's been a cool experience to talk through games like that, you know, and say like, well, here's what I would do, and then. She's like, well, you know, what about this? And then we and then she executes, <laughs> right? Which is like usually I'll think about all those things and then not execute. But she's done a just a fantastic job executing that deck's plan and and winning games. And I, I think it matches up pretty well against it's definitely got some plan to Hope Creeper.
2: It was it was really fun comment to eating the the game. Great. And um, as long as everyone I mean, we we've only received positive feedback.
1: Yeah, because no one's gonna give us negative feedback. We're not really in a
2: community where we're gonna dump on each other, but if you're
1: not providing it, no one's gonna do it. Treatment, so yeah.
2: <laughs> we should do we should do more. Um, we still we got the Brancus uh, Ninja game that we got at, like on the backlog, and then uh, the next the top four matches I guess this week will be exciting to cover if we can.
0: Yeah, it looks like Flora and Tuxedo are playing tomorrow at nine Eastern. I
1: might, I, I'm not going to be able to do that, but if you guys can do it, you should.
0: I mean, I I might I might be able to
2: tomorrow at nine p.m. Yeah,
0: if no one else is doing it. Yeah,
2: I could probably do it.
0: I probably can too. Yeah. So we, I mean, let's. I'm I'm up for giving that a shot. All
2: right, we we'll get the jank streamers,
1: and you're welcome for our first inaugural um, scheduling
2: segment, <laughs> Jankyard yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. This, well this episode is going to come out yep. way after we cover that game so you know congratulations to whoever went wh- whoever won whoever won yeah you played well so i just want to say we actually have a plan for how we're going
1: to cover vicky uh the vicky decks and we've gotten several submissions and so here's my proposal since we have been going for almost two hours already um that we start our next episode by covering the Vicky decks because people submitted them Um, and that we play a game that so far I'm calling fork, marry killer cactus, which means pick a deck that you would make some changes to fork it, pick a deck you'd marry. um, And I don't know what the killer cactus part is. I'm mostly focused on the pun. Maybe pick a deck that you'd make killer cactus play uh, to torture him
2: or something there you go <laughs> i like it all right yeah because there's what, yeah, one, two, what three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight decks if you include the three that clues oh my god we have to talk about eight ec- uh, vicky decks yeah well we could cut it down to six if we ignore <laughs> two of them but uh yeah okay well, <laughs> hey some of these have got win rates and i know no such is holding out he didn't submit one but he's got like a secret vicky tech 70 percent vicky tech yeah
0: are we each gonna fork one, marry one, and then killer c- killer cactus the other six?
2: Well if we if, <laughs> that- <laughs> if if we have six, then we can just split it two two by two. We get we each get two to decide on. Okay. Sounds good.
0: All right. That'll work for me. Well if we get if we have eight decks and we get one more, then we could each have three and we can right and we can do fork, marry, kill or cactus.
2: I didn't submit one. I'll I'll pull up one of my old, (laughs) or maybe this is the opportunity to make one of these turbo mill decks and we'll see what happens. It's not, it's not Vicky
0: or just, you make no such method, put his in there. If You don't want to do it. That'll work too.
1: Can you spin the wheel of jank just so we have light at the end of this never ending Vicky tunnel? (laughs) I want to know.
0: I can. Yeah. I, I can spin it. I don't know that I can record it right now.
1: Okay. That's fine. Just tell us what happens,
2: but I'll spin it if shadow hasn't blown his brains out by now he's like guys please i submitted this like a month ago just cover the damn deck let me see if i can get chrome
0: to open at the same time my terribly terrible technology equipment is doing everything
2: else just get um ali to throw in the the wheel of fortune clicking the when the wheel spins just add that sound effect in
1: i'm just, i'm so thrilled on ali's behalf that we're throwing in Couple minutes of content she's gonna to have to look for and cut out an hour and forty two minutes. Into this.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. It's it's trying to open at now. I was uh, it's it's getting there. So let's try and find.
2: We could have covered the Vicky decks by now. Mm. <laughs> I honestly, uh, I haven't, I haven't really looked at them, but I mean they're they're fairly different. They are fairly different. I mean, there's a com- There's obviously going to be a common theme of, like, Dream Fracture or Keepsake. Waves went right off the deep end. Well, Matt's got
1: a Radiant Leviathan, I guess, just in case he has to copycat Radiant Leviathan, which is the craziest thing <laughs> I've ever seen.
0: <laughs> I had a Hydra in mine for a while. I, I didn't even have Divine Dice. That's funny. I just put the Hydra spell in because I wanted to... If somebody played a Hydra, I really wanted one,
2: so, so it was in there. Depending on what can be done with her unique, and it would have to be something probably that affects her ability, like another like alteration, PP alteration type of thing. Vicky could have a spot, uh, or at least could move up a few spots because Copycat, like a two of is good. Or, you know, especially right now with so many powerful spells. And if it's just something that fixed her ability, um, she's got good stats. Like five, five, 518.5 is solid.
0: She could totally be good. I've spun the Wheel of jank. It is landing on... Wow, well, so far it's been extra small tonight.
2: Weeping Spirits. Oh my gosh! Nice, easy. <laughs> I'm just submitting the camp. Well, uh, one of my decks. I think it's a campfire deck.
1: Low ceiling, low floor. Here That's we come.
2: Easy. Right here, there it is. There was a no, nah, a high ceiling. I got a high ceiling deck.
0: Wasn't I saying something in our yeah in, in our weeping? chat in our private in our DM message recently about weeping spirits? God,
1: people aren't supposed to know about that. I don't know. We don't pay much attention to you in there, killer.
2: I I had a random idea for it. You'll have to show us, sh- figure figure out your idea and then put together. I mean, heck, if
0: I remember what it was, but I those. Th- oh, it had to do with it had to do with Night Song Cricket. Of course, it did. I wanted to use the focus ability
2: of Weeping Spirit to clean out oh, the discard right. pile. Remember? Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> that is a crazy <laughs> idea. That is absolutely bonkers. I dug it. I don't know if that. Did anyone even even know Weeping Spirit had a focus
0: ability? It does. Yes. And I I did not know that um, until I was looking for ways to clean out the discard pile.
1: Look, just you wait until I start playing Open Memories for Weeping Spirit books in round one so that I can shut down your stupid James Raptor deck (laughs) by removing your Raptors. (laughs) There you
0: go. Take it out of the discard pile. It's gone. I can't recur it anymore. Yeah. Search a target discard power for one card removed from the game. I did not know that text was there, but yep. Now we're making Weeping Spirit decks. Good luck with that.
2: All right, let's let's see what people bring. I I mean, it's not. it's it's, it's
0: really it's, it's one of the worst cards in
2: the game. There is only one situation that I can think of that's decent, and I've played it, and it's it's still kind of tough. But I'll leave that for later. When Especially I in, a, in
0: a world of Snappers, it's not a good card.
2: We'll see what we can do with
1: it. Uh I'm just excited to see what name Red King puts on his Weeping Spirit deck.
2: <laughs> um melancholy.
1: hmm No, that's way too stupid. straightforward. Okay.
2: Come on. Well. it's it's always a word that I have to look up. It's some reference usually, <laughs> and I I just can't relate it. But he has them like all memorized. He's like, Oh yeah, yeah. it's in, you know, this deck. And it's like which version? There's ten versions of of your yeah. time loop or sing song or whatever. It's in all
0: of them though. That's the point. That's why he does oh, it yeah. that way. It's 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 cool and it's his unique thing.
2: No, it's his thing. No, it's cool. It's just It's awesome. It's always like I don't know how what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well
0: uh shall we call it? I think we should. This has been a good episode. Go out there and get out your weeping spirits.
2: And if you're not janky Well we'll leave that up to the viewers. It's at least our our ten, tenth episode.
0: <laughs> We're allowed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's it i'm glad we're in double digits and now we have weeping spirits to build with and if you're not janky
1: we did sufficient fan service for flora but our one other listener oh yeah charlotte <laughs> and we, we haven't <laughs> talked about particle shield at all so i don't know if we but anyway sorry that's okay
0: it's okay it's our our bad sign off um i played with charlotte today and there were particle shields playing on both sides it was pretty cool um so there
2: it is but yeah Charlotte needs to commit and actually submit a deck.
0: All right, Charlotte, now you have to build with Weeping Spirits. How do you like that? She's been on
2: the quiet side lately. Come on, Charlotte.
0: (laughs) Yeah, make Matt coach (laughs) you through that one. (laughs)
2: Yeah.
0: All right, guys, it's it's time for us to go to bed. If you're not janky, you're stanky. There we go. We'll catch you next time. See you.
2: Later. Have a good one.